Well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everyone. Glad you're here. Yes, everybody seems a little rowdy today. Let me start with a couple really fun, exciting announcements. This uh, coming weekend is our annual men's retreat. So Manitou Men's Ministry, M3. We're going camping uh, Friday night, Saturday night. It's kind of the event for the men's ministry of the year. And we'll be back on Sunday. So, so some people are going to be going up there. I'll be up there Friday, Saturday. Some people are coming back Saturday night. If you could just come for the day. That's cool. If you want to camp the whole weekend, that's really what we are are planning on doing. So praise the Lord for that. It should be an incredible weekend. We really value fellowship. We really value men sharpening men. So come next week. There's a sign up. It's 20 bucks. Covers all your food. You get a really nice long sleeve t-shirt. It's going to be an awesome weekend. And one more announcement. This is something brand new. Probably only a few of you know about this is that we're going to be doing table groups. What is a table group? You might ask. Well, a table group is something in between like a dinner party and a full on like Bible study. And what we're asking. So some of you are already starting these groups. So if you get invited to a table group, you will know what to expect. Expect to meet twice a month for this quarter. So September, October, November, six times before Thanksgiving is kind of the hope. And uh, you eat, you, you meet together, you share. So the group leader will have some sort of discussion question or maybe just go around like, how is everybody doing? Give a chance to uh, share something. And then you pray together. And it's, it's pretty low commitment. So if you're interested in leading one, you're like, I could do that. I could have people over to my house, especially if they bring the food like a potluck. That's easy peasy. So there's the, we have manuals out on the outside on the table. There, there is just uh, how to lead a table group. You have to uh, just be kind to people. You have to bring people into your home. You have to break bread together like the, the disciples did. Share a meal together and share some something together and pray together. Easy peasy, low commitment, but the payoff is huge. We as a church are going to grow deeper in our relationships and have just fellowship that's on another level than just on Sunday mornings. Cool beans? All right, those are your announcements. Uh, It's hard to to, to transition from saying cool beans into scripture, but would you open up your scriptures to Galatians chapter two? We're gonna read a couple verses here, and so if you are able, would you stand just for a few moments in respect to the reverence of God's word here? Galatians chapter two, verse six. We'll put it on the screens as well. It says this, Paul is writing, and he's talking about some people. We'll we'll talk constantly context in a minute here and give you uh, the idea of the background of what's going on. But let's for now just read it. Uh, Galatians 2 verse 6, as for those who are held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, it says uh, they recognized that I had been entrusted with with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. Verse eight, for God, who was at work in Peter, was also at work in me, as at work in Peter, as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. 
And then here's some people, James, Cephas, that's Peter, and John. Like These people are like disciples of Jesus, James being a very brother, a uh, half-brother of Jesus. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. And they agreed that we should go to the Gentiles, they to the circumcised. And verse 10 says, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. This passage, this last verse, to remember the poor is what we're going to hang this sermon on. This is the sermon title for this sermon, to remember the poor. We just read the word of the Lord. You all say, thanks be to God. Christ is in our midst. Let's pray. But we pray that we would remember the poor. We would pray that God, you would inspire us, that you would put inside of us your grace and your mercy, so much so that we'll flow out of us and that we could serve others. Lord, that you would bless us so that we could be a blessing. And we pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people at New Life Manitou shouted, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Remember the poor. That's point number one. Remember the poor. This is what Paul wanted to do all along, and he's caught up doing something else. He's got to write this letter to the Galatians, but what he wanted to do all along was to help the poor, was to remember the poor. Have you ever wanted to do something and been caught up along the way and distracted and have to do all this other stuff just to get to this one thing? I remember years ago uh, wanting to go camping. So me and some buddies, we we're going to take his vehicle. We got up early in the morning, met at his house. We're going to go in the woods and have a great camping weekend, kind of like the men's group. I love camping. Anybody else like camping? Especially car camping, because you bring whatever you want. That's like the men's uh, camping trip this weekend. You bring all your stuff, all your tents, all your sleep, everything, and just have tons of fun. So we had his truck filled with stuff. We had all this stuff. We were all in it, ready to go early in the morning, and then we go to start the car. Doesn't start. He's like, oh, let me, let me, he knew a lot about cars. Let me go out and test it. It's like, guys, sorry, it's the battery. Let me give you some money. You can go to the store, get a new battery. I'll have this old one pulled. This will only be like 45 minutes. I promise. Like go to the store. I said, okay, fine. So we get in our vehicles, get the battery, come back. He's got the battery out, put the new battery in. And literally like 45 minutes, we were like ready to go. We start the car. It starts, but he's like, let me just test something else. And he knew enough about cars to be like, oh, it's actually the alternator that's broke. That's not charging the vehicle. And so if we go, into the mountains and way out in the middle of nowhere without a charged battery, we would never be able to get back. So he's like, okay, we got to change the alternator. And he was pretty confident. He's like, okay, if you guys go to the store, I'll give you some cash, go pick up an alternator, come back, I'll have the alternator out. And he was pretty confident. It's like in an hour and a half, we could be on the road with a new alternator. And we're like, okay, fine. Uh, and we couldn't take any of our cars because they wouldn't make it. And so his, he had the four-wheel drive. He was going to do it. So he's like, okay, so we go to the store, come back with the alternator. He does. He's got the alternator out. And we go to put the new one in. He's putting the new one in. And he snaps a bolt. No! Has anybody ever snapped a bolt in here? I see that. I see that here. I see that. It's the worst. It, who, whoever you are is going to add two to three hours worth of your project. Because if you know anything about cars and that kind of work, you got to drill out the bolt. You got to get a tap and die set. And you got to re-thread the bolt. It's just hours and hours of work. So we're just sitting there like, ah. Oh. 
We're never going to get to go camping. We're sitting there handing him tools. And it was just the longest day ever. All we wanted to do was to go camping. But I'm proud to say, as the sun was setting, we were heading off <laughs> to go camping. But I feel like, may I, I say this analogy, this silly little metaphor, because I, I don't know what Paul was feeling, but I think he's feeling this thing where it's like all he wants to do is to take care of the poor. All he wants to do. The only thing he's eager to do is to take care of the poor. And here he is stuck writing this letter to the Galatians. So let me give you some background to the book of Galatians, continuing in our series. I think we're like four weeks in now talking about this book of Galatians. And it's important to get a little background to understand what's going on here. So this will get a little nerdy here. Uh, we will do a nerd alert. Nerd alert. Okay, so now we all know we're about to get a little nerdy. We're about to get into some Bible history. And what we find is the region of Galatia. It's what is today Turkey. It's a region. It's not a city. So Paul is writing to churches in this region of Galatia. And there's a huge problem there. He starts off in chapter one. And you can tell he's just really upset. He says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. At the end of Galatians, or sorry, at the beginning of Galatians chapter three, he, you can tell he's really upset because he, he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly seen as crucified. And who, like, did, were you saved by the works of the law or were you saved by faith? You're saved by faith. And this passage is, the, the passage right after this one is where Paul just lets Peter have it. They get into an argument in front of people and Paul recalls this and says, you were eating with, the, you were saying you shouldn't eat with the Gentiles, but then you were eating with the Gentiles and and then this other group came in. You're like, no, I don't need to eat with the Gentiles. I never would never eat with the Gentiles. It's like if someone's like going on and on about being gluten free and then you walk in and they're like eating a cake and you're like, hey, what happened, bro? That's your gluten free. So well, the cake was really good. And so Paul is like calling these people out. He's calling the whole book of Galatians is a very hard letter where again and again, he is calling out these churches in Galatia because some people have come in, Paul's words, people have infiltrated your ranks to spy on the freedom you have in Christ and to make you slaves. And these people that have infiltrated the Galatians churches have been teaching that you have to add works to your faith, specifically the works of the, uh, like the, the circumcision of uh, honoring the Sabbath, the feasts and festivals of the Jewish customs of, of, of the Old Testament. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. If you are in Christ, you are free from that. Jesus has set us free from all sin. That we get into this issue where there was Christians, some of them Jewish background, some of them non-Jewish background. And th what was going on in Galatia was that the Christians from the Jewish background were not eating together with the Christians of non-Jewish background. And Paul is like figuratively pulling out his hair. Are you all crazy? You won't eat with each other? We're all Christians. Galatians chapter three at the end, he says, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor male nor female. We are all one in Christ. Amen? Amen. 
And so Paul is a little upset. The whole letter, we can sense it. His tone is he's upset and very sad. And it's like, all I'm really eager to do is to remember the poor. But here I am stuck writing this letter and correcting you because you guys have gotten so far off and you are in need of correction. But what he really wants to do is to take care of the poor. One more thing, a piece of background here that that might be helpful if you really know some of Paul's other letters. If you've been studying the book of Acts, you might know that at the end of Acts chapter 11, it talks about a famine in Jerusalem. And some of the other letters, uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, which Paul writes to the Corinthians, uh, Romans, which Paul writes to the Romans, he refers to this offering that he's going to collect and bring to the Jews in Jerusalem, these Jewish believers in Jesus, because there's a famine in Jerusalem. So it's very possible right now that as Paul is writing this letter to the Galatians, there's a very serious famine going on. And he's meeting with James, Cephas, and John in Jerusalem. And they're reminding him, take care of the poor, remember the poor. And it's a very real, very powerful uh, famine, a situation that's going on where people do not have enough food. Like I pray we never get to see a famine. But when a famine strikes, especially in the ancient world, there's nothing, there's no food. People are at war with each other. There's social unrest. The price of food skyrockets to like, like in our money, it'd be like $300 for a loaf of bread. And that, that's all you would get. Like you'd bring this home and you'd eat that as a family and you would wait and wonder if you're going to have another meal. Things are very desperate in a famine situation. And it's very likely that Paul is writing here to the Galatians saying like, we have bigger things to do. We need to remember the poor. And here I am caught, you know, turning you from this heresy, which you know better about. So point number one, remember the poor. Point number two, very similar. Remember the poor and more specifically in financial crisis. There's different types of poverty, but I think Paul is talking here about financially those who are poor. The definition of poverty According to the Oxford Dictionary, lacking sufficient money to live at a standard considered comfortable or normal in a society. So the definition of poverty is going to change depending on different societies. The society gets to choose like what poverty means, what normal living is. And we in the U.S., like if you, if you don't know this, we are a very, 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 very wealthy country. And our poverty line is very high considered uh, c compared to the rest of the world. But for what it's worth, uh, the, these numbers may be a little old, but somewhere around 12,000, 13,000 a year, that's the line. If you make below that, our society says that's kind of a poverty line. Anything below that, whether you're working part-time or just working here and there, or you're working at a rate that only earns you 13,000 or 12,000 uh, or lower, the United States says that's kind of the poverty line. And 10% of the United States population, a tenth, a tithe of our uh, nation is at that level or lower. But if you kind of back up and be like, okay, the world population, well, 80% of the people in the world live at $36,000 a year, which is well below that 13,000 number. So in the world, it's pretty normal to make a lot less than that. But the case is this, that 10% of the world's population would be considered living at extreme poverty. And here's where things get really hard to, to swallow, that 10% uh, of the world's population lives on less than $700 
for a whole year. That's less than $1.90 a day. Being poor is a big problem. And if you've ever been outside of the United States, if you've ever been to a developing nation uh, that used to be called third world nations, you will have seen poverty unlike anything you can see here in the United States. Has anybody been outside of the U.S. for any reason, vacation, mission trip? I, oh, look at all the hands. That's, you guys are a well-traveled group. Good job. Um, but I highly encourage, and this is just me talking, my own opinion, um, so you could listen or not, but I think everyone should go on a mission trip at some point in their life. Go serve someplace where there's great need. And we do mission trips. New Life, we have mission trips planned for the spring and next year. Uh, New Life Manitou, we don't have a trip on the books, but we just got back from Alaska. We'll put another trip on the books. Be listening, be getting your passport, saving up your money, because missions and going and spreading the gospel especially to the places where we remember the poor is part of the work of every good Christian. So anyways, I've been to a lot of countries. I've seen poverty in Guatemala, in Africa. I've seen poverty uh, in, in um, Thailand, Southeast Asia. I've seen poverty in Mexico, but nothing prepared me for the poverty that I saw years ago in India. We were in the slums of Delhi, outside of the slums at a train station. We were kind of transferring trains and we had like an afternoon, so we were walking around and it was just unbelievable. I had seen poverty in the United States. I had seen poverty in other countries, but nothing prepared me for like the slums of Delhi. It was beyond words. I mean, oh, we were walking around. It was just so dirty. Like, like there was no public sanitation. So people were just using like the, you know, the back alleys for bathrooms and the smell was horrible. People were living like on the streets. Uh, the week we were there had set records for heat. It was 120 degrees in the shade and people were dying like of heat exhaustion. And it was brutal. There was no escape from it. There's no air conditioning that people can just run into a, a nice building like this. There was just, it was horrible. And there was people, the people begging on the streets were like uh, crippled and disabled. It's like in our world, in the United States, like we, we help these people, like we give them parking spots and we, we help them. And in India, it's like people are just trying to make it themselves. And there was, there was no margin for these marginalized people. And so there was this guy, I just remember seeing this guy to give you an image of this poverty. He had no legs. He had one arm and his, his hand was disabled. And he was kind of pushing himself around, begging for money. And we were in a place to kind of see uh, what he was doing. And he went around behind this trash can and he kind of looked around to see if anybody was looking. And he picked up a piece of like bread that was on the ground that like somebody had stepped on. And he looked around and he ate it. And I just thought, that's the, that's the level of poverty that, that I've never seen before. And I just started weeping and I couldn't stop. It was like the poverty that, that is in this world. There are poor in this world that need to be taken care of. And I had tearful conversations this whole trip with other pastors in India. Because if you ever go on a mission trip, you should go on a mission trip with uh, an organization in country because they're going to be there uh, after you leave. And so they, they can help and they can give you projects that will really bless and add to the, the gospel being presented uh, in that place. So anyways, this whole week, we we're there for a week and a half, actually. I just had conversation after conversation with the Christian pastors in India. Like, what? 
do you do with this kind of poverty? Like what kind of drop in a bucket of an ocean can you as the church possibly do in India with this devastatingly poor poverty? Like what, what are we supposed to do? This is so bad. I've never seen poverty like this. And they said, well, you know, things that we do, we hope in the Lord. And, and it's helpful to break down the conversation into different types of poor and those that we can help. And I thought this was pretty helpful. So in conversation with these other pastors in India who are amongst, amongst the poorest of the poor in our world day to day, they said, there's three types of poor. So I'm gonna go through this really quickly, but I, hopefully it's gonna be very helpful for us as we remember the poor and make this a practical example. So type one would be uh, a type of poor that's like right now, there needs to be help because people don't have uh, shelter. People don't have water. People don't have food. Like we saw last week, uh, the hurricane comes by and people are running for their lives. People don't have clean water. People don't have food. They need help right away. Uh, Afghanistan, we see that in the news. There's like wartime situation. The, the, the government is collapsing. People are running for their lives. They need food. They need shelter. They need water like right now. This, this is like like first aid, this is devastation, this is acute, uh, severe, uh, like Red Cross kind of help. These, these are poor people that need help right now or they're not gonna make it. This is like, you know, we don't experience hurricanes in Colorado, but we do experience fires and floods. And a couple of years ago, our family was evacuated from Waldo Canyon fire. Some of you were too, anybody else evacuated? Oh, look at all the hands. That was a great moment of memories, wasn't it? Um, so woken up in the middle of the night, uh, we, we, Erica called uh, a friend of hers and we went to their house and stayed the rest of the night. It's like, we need help right now. We have nowhere to go. Would you take us in? Yes. And so that's the, as the church, we gotta be ready for these kinds of things. This is what uh, New Life North, our big facility up north has. It's a Red Cross partnered uh, shelter. So if a disaster strikes, like when the Black Forest fires were raging, do you remember that? People uh, fled the fires. And if they didn't have anywhere to go, New Life North opened the big doors of their facility. And we had cots, we had rooms, we had showers, we had food, we got pizzas, we put on movies for the kids. There was internet and people could just spend a day, two or three, because they had nowhere else to go. That's that kind of relief. Um, I think about serving at the pantry. I see Miss Lorelai, she's there every week. Some of you have served at the Manitou Springs Pantry. It's a partnership with St. Andrews uh, in the middle of town. And sometimes people show up and it's like, I just lost my job. I live in a paycheck to paycheck and the car broke down. I have no groceries. Can you help? Yes, that's what we're for. And so we provide food assistance. We hook people up with bags of food every single week. That's what we do. Um, so this is the kind of like acute, severe, uh, poor poverty that we see. And we just, as the church, we, we can react. Uh, we, we don't try to react. We try to plan so that we know what to do when these things happen. The second type is people that have food, they have shelter, they have the things they need, but what they don't have is like a way out of the cycle of poverty. It's like if they just got a little ahead, they would get out of a horrible situation. Like for instance, uh, if someone's car breaks down, they don't have enough money to fix it and they're working really hard. Well, now they have to take the bus to and from, which may, the Colorado Springs, Manitou buses, they're, they're not the best. They all kind of have to go downtown, then you gotta go transfer. So it usually takes people like an hour and a half. So three hours round trip to get to work. 
Well, if you're riding the bus for three hours, then you can't work more hours and get more money to fix your car. You're stuck riding the bus. And so it's kind of like this catch-22 where it's like, man, if we just gave them a little bit of help, then they could get their feet under them. And Or I think about like along Manitou Ave, uh, the, the hotels, the motels that in the winter usually have really pretty low like weekly rates. And so people will rent hotel rooms, like one bedroom, one bath, and, and they'll just be there for a time. And sometimes it's hard to get out of that situation because let's just say the price for a room is $100 a night. Well, $100, 30 days in a month, what's that in rent? It's like $3,000. That's way more than you should be paying for a one bedroom, one bathroom little room, right? But they can't get out because they're paying, they're working week to week, they're paying week to week. And it's just like, man, if only they got a, a small loan, they could get out of that situation and actually pay a lot less in rent and actually get their feet under them. And so we as a church, to help this type, when you give, when you give your tithes and offerings to New Life, we have, it's, it's headquartered out of our North building, but we take applications here just so we're all aware of this. It's a ministry called Benevolence. And so people fill out applications for uh, housing assistance and for utilities to get their utilities turned back on for power and gas and heat and water so that we can help people to help get their feet under them so that they can keep going. They can get out of a cycle. So this is type two poverty. They have enough, they have food, they have water, but they just, they're in a situation where they can't get out. Type three is maybe the saddest type. This, this type is kind of the long-term poor, the, the career homeless, the many times there's an addiction at the bottom of it. And if you, for instance, if someone is addicted to like heroin or some uh, methamphetamines, if you gave them a loan for a couple thousand dollars, what would a heroin addict do with a couple thousand dollars? Will probably fall back into even more of the addiction. So it's a different type of poor where it's like what these people need, you know, you hear phrases like, don't give a hand out, give a hand up. Like that's actually a pretty good phrase for this type of poverty. Or, you know, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for. A lifetime. That, I mean, this literally happened to me when I was learning to fly fish one time. Uh, I, was, I was at, you know where Pike's, Pike View Pond is? It's on the corner of like Nevada and Austin Bluffs. You know what I'm talking about? It's a very random place for a, a pond to be, but they stock it. So I was learning how to fly fish and I caught a fish. I was like, wow, this is so awesome. I caught a fish. And out from the woods, this guy popped up. He's like, whoa, that's weird. You've been watching me. I got home. This guy was like, hey man, can I have your fish? I'm hungry. I want to cook them and eat them. And I was like, oh God. Yeah, you're here. Here, take the fish. This is weird. I'm out of here. But the whole way home, I was like, I should have taught him how to fish because that would have fed him for the saying. I should have done it. But anyways, the, the saying is what's like the, this type, the third type needs programs, needs rehab, needs systems, needs homes, needs coaching. This is the kind of thing where New Life partners with Springs Rescue Mission. And it's, it's a shelter and a program. They have a program called New Life Program. Same name as our church, pretty cool. And it brings men and then women, two different programs, out of addiction. And it's a shelter and it coaches them and it helps them through like a 12-step program to get out of addiction. And we, New Life Manitou, have baptized some of these guys that have graduated. We have seen the work of the Lord helping this 
usually very helpless type of poor where there's addiction. We have seen hundreds now of single moms come out of graduate from Mary's home. This is something that New Life Church started for single moms with kids that are facing homelessness. We bring them in. It's a whole year program where we help them out of addictions. We uh, help them with finances. We help them with coaching. And we, we tell them there is a God who loves you and has a plan for your life. And we present to them the gospel. And we've seen hundreds of people graduate with a program that New Life started. It's pretty awesome. It's called Mary's Home. Finally, um, so that, that's the poor, the financially poor. Those are the three types. Hopefully that was somewhat helpful as a logistical conversation of different types of poverty and poor. But here's the third point, which will be the last point for today. And it's kind of a different type of poverty that we should remember those in mental health uh, poverty. And mental health is this pretty big umbrella for like lots of different things that people are facing. That someone could be in a poverty situation, but have plenty of money. They could be in a situation in their mental health where there's just stress and anxiety and depression, like the, the offering moment that Joanna just shared with us, this, this battle for our own hearts and minds of, of our own you know, selves. Like this year, we've said this a bunch. This last year, 2020, was a horrible year. The quarantining, the fear. Every time you turn on the news, it's like the pandemic's growing and this fear of just something going on in our country. And man, it was a rough year for so many people. And lots of us had plenty of money. Like we weren't struggling for food or water, uh, but we were struggling with fear. Like there was these, you know, we were all going out and buying toilet paper, which is very weird now to think about. Like, why were we even do that? Because everybody was doing it. Because there was a fear that we would run out. We were all buying food because there was a fear that we would run out. And maybe that fear, this is just me talking, just an opinion, but maybe that fear of running out was maybe even worse than running out. Like we, like, man, that fear was horrible. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, so if we go back to uh, the book of Galatians, Paul is saying that he's meeting with uh, Peter, uh, John, and James. And he meets with them. And do you know that James is the half-brother of Jesus who wrote the book of James? And James, in his book, writes to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings, James, servant of God. He writes to these people to encourage them to take care of the poor. Right in chapter 1 of James is this very famous passage, James chapter 1, verse 27. If you don't know this verse, go look at it, go memorize it. It says that true religion or pure religion is this. To what? To take care of orphans and widows in their distress. Well, who are the orphans and widows? Well, in the ancient world, and in the ancient world, it's unlike our world today. The ancient world was a man's world. People didn't get jobs if they were female or children. And if you were an orphan, that meant you didn't have a father. If you were a widow, that means you didn't have a husband. And in the ancient world, that was a very destitute, very marginalized place to be. And so James encourages us, like if you want to be, if you want to know what true religion is, you take care of the orphan and the widow. And it's James meeting with Paul in this context of Galatians, where it says, all we're going to ask is for you to remember the poor. And Paul's like, yes, that's the very thing I have been eager to do all along. 
You know, there's um, a lot of stories amongst us as New Life Manitou, like to brag on you guys for a little while. We've been a church now for quite a few years, and we have racked up stories of you all taking care of the poor, taking care of people in different types of poverty, in mental health poverty, in financial poverty, in crises of all different kinds. I think about uh, the meal ministry that is in this church is just insane. Like someone gets sick, someone has a baby, someone has a surgery, and the meals from all of you, it's really a, a testament. A lot of it is the women of our church. So shout out to the women of our church. Um, organize these meals. If you've ever been sick, if like people have brought us meals before, it's insane. The organization that's all, just, I mean, we don't have this big master plan. It's just you all, the church being the church and helping people through difficult times. And and maybe the person has plenty of food in the pantry, but to be delivered a meal, doesn't that just lift your spirits? Like, oh, the church is being the church. The church is taking care of us. One time I was handed keys and said, there's a car that I want you to go give to somebody else. And, and don't tell them who it's from. Just say it's somebody in the church. And I was like, what? This is awesome. Who does this? I have been handed envelopes. Like, hey, would you give this envelope to so-and-so? I'm like, what's in it? It's like, just, just some money. I know they're going through a hard time, but don't tell them it's from me. Just say it's from somebody in the church. It's like, wow, this is awesome. This What a wonderful thing to be a part of when the church is the church. You all are incredible at, at visiting people in the hospitals because I show up and then you all show up. It was like this couple months ago, like somebody was sick and I showed up and it was just like, what? You're showing up? It was like a party just to pray for this person who was sick. It was unbelievable. Wow. The church being the church, we have gone to like mental hospitals too and help people recover from like suicide and suicide attempts. As the church, we have walked with people that were addicted and helped them through 12 steps. And we've walked with Celebrate Recovery, a program we have at New Life North and brought people out of addiction. We've brought people out of poverty. We visited people in prison. We make phone calls to those in prison. We have as the men's group gotten together and bought a bunch of gifts for a family. We know like, oh, we could give them just an incredible Christmas. I know they're going to have a great Christmas, but we could like bless their socks off. And so we show up and just dump load a truck gifts out for the kids and just to bless like you guys, this little church, the kingdom of God is among us. And so we back up again and we just like wonder, like, okay, what is this plan for the world? The plan for this world in poverty and remembering the poor is, is just insane. Like I told you that story of India and the poverty that's there and poverty that's like that all over different places of the world. And it's like, well, what can one person do? What can one church do? Well, the local church in local areas is the solution for remembering the poor. Because we don't just, we, we don't just have to you know, help someone get new shoes. You know, we don't just support this. And um, you know, there's organizations in the world out there like around Christmas time, you go to uh, Safeway and they're like, it'll be $17.90. Would you like to round up to $18 for the 10 cents to go to uh, some charity? And you're like, sure, I can do that. But is, does that money go with it? A message of true hope that can lift people up out of the depths of depression and sin and addiction. I don't know. We as the local church, the local churches all over this world, we can remember the poor and bring a message of hope and truth and love. Amen?
Amen. Let me conclude with this story, and then uh, we will uh, go to the table. But this comes from, it's, it's one of my favorite stories. Do you guys remember when it came out? It was, it was pretty cool at the time, like uh, the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Do you remember those books that came out in 1993? What an incredible little series just to bring uh, heartwarming stories, uh, heart, true heartwarming stories in an edited book. And so here's one of the stories. I remember this one from years ago. You've probably heard it, but you may have heard it from me. It's just a great story. It's, it encourages us with, with I I think very Christian values to do what you can, even in the midst of like overwhelming uh, situations that you don't think you have any input on. But here's the story. It says a friend of ours was walking down a deserted Mexican beach at sunset. As he walked along, he saw another man in the distance. As he grew closer, he noticed the local native kept kneeling down, picking up something and throwing it into the water. Time and time again, he kept hurling things out into the ocean. As our friend approached, approached even closer, he noticed that the man was picking up starfish that had been washed up on the beach. One at a time, he was throwing the back into the water. Our friend was puzzled. He approached the man and said, good evening, friend. I was wondering what you're doing. I'm throwing in these starfish into the ocean. You see, it's low tide now, and all these starfish have washed up onto the shore. If I don't throw them back in the sea, they will die here from lack of oxygen. I understand, our friend replied, but there must be a thousand starfish on this beach. You can't possibly get to all of them. There's simply too many. And don't you realize that this is happening on hundreds of beaches up and down the coast? Can't you see that you can't possibly make a difference? The local native smiled, bent down, picked up yet another starfish. And as he threw it back into the sea, he replied, made a difference to that one. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, you are the good, holy father that, that you, Lord, remember the poor. You say, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those because, Lord, you're gonna take care of them. You're gonna wash over us with our grace. And Lord, may we remember our own poverty that we come before you as sinners. But Lord, you fill us with your grace and mercy. Lord, you would you make us like a river, receiving your grace and your mercy and letting it flow out into the world. Lord, we can as a church, as individuals make a difference because Lord, it's you and your power inside of us. So now Lord, we humbly prepare ourselves for your table. We humbly prepare ourselves to partake in communion. In the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.